Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with Peggy Hoyt. Our goal is to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. For more information about creating a legacy for your pet or to listen to archive shows, visit AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Join your host, author, estate planning attorney, and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt. Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and this show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Brian, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Also brought to you by Animal Care Trust USA, a national nonprofit dedicated to keeping loved pets in loving homes. We do this by educating pet parents about the importance of getting a pet trust for their loved pet. We also provide trustee services. For more information, visit AnimalCareTrustUSA.org. Today, we welcome to our show our guest, Christine Massinger. She is President and Executive Director of Horse Protection Association of Florida, a longtime friend of mine and um, Although Christine's new to our show, uh, we've been following Horse Protection Association for a long time. Uh, welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you, Peggy. So very nice to be here with you. You are so welcome. And I want to tell our uh, listeners a little bit about you. Um, Christine has been a university professor in higher education for over 25 years. And prior to her teaching career, she was a state prosecutor. She was also elected Pennsylvania's youngest female judge at the age of 27 and served in that capacity for 10 years. It was during her time on the bench that she presided over hundreds of misdemeanor and felony cases, including cases involving animal cruelty and neglect. Christine is a published author of numerous peer-reviewed scholarly articles. She has presented at both the national and international level on topics such as learning styles, critical thinking, and effective development of educational curriculum. She has won numerous awards for her teaching, including the Distinguished Faculty Award and the Outstanding Faculty Award. Christine and her husband, Doug, they now live on a farm in Ocala where they are the proud parents of 15 animals, including nine horses, three dogs, and three cats. And Christine has been a licensed Pirelli professional for over 10 years and is considered an expert in equine safety practices. We are so lucky to have her with us today. And um, Christine and I have recently become friends and we've been spending some time together because she is very uh, lovingly encouraging me to adopt my future horse whose name is Vogue. And uh, <laughs> thank you for that, Christine. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. So how is it that you came to be the executive director of Horse Protection Association of Florida? Well, Peggy, you know, my background doesn't indicate that that's where I should have um, led to, but <laughs> there was a need to fill and uh, horses are my passion. And I always have felt a tremendous amount of responsibility for animals and in particular horses. So I, I do feel that this is my life calling and that this is something that I'm meant to do before I leave this earth. <laughs> uh, and that's why I accepted the position. Well, really hard to say no when you see such a tremendous need. And um, I'd like to say, I think you're doing a fabulous job. No, thank you. Thank you very, very much. So talk to us about the mission of Horse Protection Association. So we are an organization that has been um, around for 31 years. 
And our mission is to rescue starved, neglected, and abandoned horses uh, and to care for them. Our mission is also to adopt them into loving homes. Our mission is also to educate the public with respect to all sorts of things involving horsemanship, um, horses in general with respect to their care, how horses can uh, teach us as human beings. And also lastly, our mission it involves uh, natural horsemanship training methods. So we are a natural horsemanship training uh, organization. Uh, and so all the horses that come to us are trained in natural horsemanship methods. So for those that are not familiar with the concept of natural horsemanship, um, just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, great question. Natural horsemanship uh, focuses primarily on um, how a horse thinks, acts, and plays. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talented traditional horse people out in this world, so don't get me wrong, there's tons of them. Uh, in the natural horsemanship world, we're, we're really uh, horse psychologists is what we are, and we're horse behaviorists. And so we, we really uh, study the behavior of the horse and, and not just the task that the horse is performing, but how the horse feels about the task. Uh, and that's critically important to us. Well, I think one of the things that I admire most about the natural horsemanship is that it is uh, non-fear-based, it's play-based, and it really is developing that partnership with your horse as a lifelong partner. Yes, it is. And uh, that is that sums up uh, very well what, uh, what natural horsemanship is about. Uh, we, you know, I always say that I'm not done studying natural horsemanship until I become a horse. <laughs> so, you know, unless that's gonna happen, I have a lot more to learn. <laughs> I think that's a really good philosophy because there's never a point in time where we know everything. Right. Um, and every horse is gonna teach us something different. Absolutely. Just I've, like I've learned... every person we meet teaches us something different. Absolutely. I've learned so many lessons from horses and I learn them on a daily basis. And just when I think that I have it, nope, I learn that I'm wrong. They teach me that I'm wrong often. <laughs> they, they like to remind us that we're not as smart as we think we are sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about um, the number of horses that are currently residing at Horse Protection and, um, and talk a little bit about the cost because you and I both as horse owners, we know that it's not inexpensive to own horses. Right. And so right now we have 50 horses at Horse Protection. All of them have been rescued from, starve, um, from starvation or neglect or abuse or have been abandoned. Um, our numbers have gone significantly up in the last uh, several months uh, since uh, the war started. In particular, um, there has been a lot of surrenders of horses to us, people who uh, can no longer care for their horse because of their life circumstances. And of course, you know, we have a responsibility as a 501c3 to accept uh, horses when, when a person legitimately cannot care for their horse. Uh, the costs are exorbitant. We spend $9,000 a month to feed and take care of our horses. And we exist solely on donations, $9,000 a month. 
And so a little bit of a comparison, uh, in 2020, the cost of a, uh, to care for a horse annually was $3,300. Now in 2022, the cost to care for a horse annually is up to $4,000. So the more horses that we take in, the, the higher our costs are gonna be. And what happens is uh, the less we're able to take in other horses who need us. Um, so this is something, you know, that honestly, Peggy, I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about. I know that our board wakes up in the middle of the night thinking about. I know that our team wakes up in the middle of the night thinking about um, because things right now are very difficult. Uh, and people, as you know, uh, are concerned about gas prices and hay prices and so on. And so we, but it's important to remember that, that we need, we need help. We need the community to come in and help us. I was at the feed store on Saturday and the proprietor told me that this is the highest he's ever seen feed prices in 23 years. Yes. Yes. And, you know, a little story. Um, we, we just received a call actually 48 hours ago regarding an elderly woman with uh, a horse and two miniature donkeys. And this woman can barely walk. And apparently she does not have uh, the financial wherewithal to be able to care for these easy clients. But she's, she's tried. She's been trying to do it on her own for quite a while. And here she is, although she can't walk, she's uh, trying to unload hay for them. Uh, she can't afford the gas to go get the hay. And so this is gonna be a situation where Horse Protection Association of Florida will have to uh, step up because that's what our responsibility and duty is. Um, and uh, we will be taking care of these equines and, and trying to find them a loving home so that we can accept more equines who need us. So it's a never ending cycle of asking for donations, looking for volunteers and seeking out adopters who are willing to open their homes to these horses for, for a lifetime, not for a sometime, but for a lifetime. Absolutely. It's, it's a lifelong commitment and you're right. It is a never ending cycle. Uh, you know, it's funny because my personality type is such where <laughs> I'm a goal setter. Um, you know, having been a lawyer and a judge and a professor, that's, you know, and, and I know you understand in, in your career as well, similar personality type, but it's interesting in this position, you take six steps forward and seven steps back. And so it's a humbling experience. Um, it really is. And yes, uh, further to your point of adoptions, we absolutely need loving forever homes. The horses need loving forever homes and they deserve loving forever homes. Well, they are all wonderful. And uh, I say that from experience because I adopted my horse Heaven from Horse Protection a number of years ago now. And, um, you know, I wouldn't think of anything but giving her a forever home. And, and it's always makes me sad when I hear that somebody who's adopted a horse later returns that horse. Um, I know people's circumstances change and the, and the organization feels an obligation to take those animals back into their care to make sure that they remain in loving homes. But um, always, always a challenge, I understand. So being raised in animal welfare myself where my dad was the president of the Humane Society of the United States, 
as a little girl, I used to say to him, and maybe you'll appreciate this, Christine, that his job really was one of being a professional beggar. Um, because he was always begging somebody for something, whether it was money or uh, volunteer time or commitment to a, uh, a philosophy or a program. Um, but I know it, it must feel like that at times. It does. And, you know, if I didn't feel so passionately about animals and in particular horses, I would not do it. But because I look at look at them. Uh, you know, it's it's similar to being a, a lawyer, actually, in the trial in the courtroom because you're an advocate. And so I look at myself, and and our team looks at themselves as their advocates. And so if it requires me to go knock on a door or to pick up a phone and ask for money, my gosh, that's what I'm going to do to advocate for them. No question. Well, they're lucky to have you. So I know that um, it is always important for um, current donations. So for people to help meet the monthly um, commitment that you have to the care of the horses, but it's also important for people to think long-term. So what your estate looks like and uh, what gifts could you make at the end of your lifetime um, as a way of leaving your mark on this world or making a charitable donation. Um, as an estate planning attorney, I work a lot with folks on helping create legacies uh, for the future and plan giving is a great way to do that. And I always tell folks that um, their IRA or their 401k, a tax deferred investment makes the ideal gift to a nonprofit organization because you're giving 100% of the gift. There's no income tax that's due on that tax deferred investment. So I would encourage folks who are listening, if you haven't done your estate planning or if you're in the process of updating your estate planning, think about what you can do for your passion or your favorite charity. And, um, and think about organizations like Horse Protection Association. And so I know that um, in the vein of asking for gifts, one of the things that you're currently asking for, and this is a big ask, but I, I think it's great to put it out there in the universe, is uh, they're seeking a uh, hundred or more acres to care for horses. Tell us yes. about that. Yes, I, I will gladly, uh, Peggy. So right now we, um, we have been very, very fortunate to have a gift of a long-term lease from an extremely generous individual uh, who we are very, very grateful for because without this individual, there would be no horse protection and there would not be a land to protect the horses. Um, the land that we're currently on has what's called gumbo soil, which means that it does not drain well. And so in the summer months, uh, such as now and until probably October, so we're talking about four or five months of the year, it literally is a lake. Uh, there's probably of the 150 acres, there's probably about four or five acres that stay dry. And so you're talking about putting 50 horses on four or five acres. And so it's simply not um, safe. Uh, as you're aware, uh, Peggy being a horse person, when a horse stands on water for any long period of time, their, their hooves get infected and that's called an abscess. Uh, and when a horse abscesses, the horse will put weight on the other foot to compensate, which then off balances that horse and can literally, believe it or not, kill the horse if the horse puts too much weight on the other foot because the horse can founder. And so last uh, summer, 
we had 11 horses with abscesses and one with abscesses in three feet at one time, which was an extremely um, dangerous uh, health situation for him. He fortunately survived it. But, you know, when I look out the window right now and I see the rain coming down, I go, okay, here we go again. We're in it again. So, yes, we are looking for ideally 100 acres or more in the Ocala area with facilities. I believe, as you, that you have to put it out in the universe. I believe that there is somebody or somebody's uh, who might be hearing this uh, broadcast uh, that would want to do that for us uh, and would find some benefit, whether it be just being heartwarming benefit or some tax benefit, what have you, in giving Horse Protection Association, which is a 501c3 land or leasing to us uh, on a long-term basis. That would be ideal. And you're right. Um, not only are abscesses dangerous, they're extremely painful. Um, so horses uh, that are lame on three legs can't walk. Yes, I know. It's terrible. It's really sad to see. Uh, and I can guarantee you it's going to happen this summer to some of the horses at Horse Protection. Um, we're just gearing up for it. Yeah, um, we do live in that wonderful state of lots of rain and uh, lots of water. And um, the other thing that water brings, of course, is mosquitoes and other kinds of uh, pests that are also detrimental to the care of horses, getting bit by mosquitoes or creating other mosquito-borne diseases. Um, so, all right, it's out there in the universe. Hopefully someone's listening and, uh, and can help Horse Protection Association meet this uh, fabulous goal of, of finding this terrific facility for their horses. I know that there's property out there because you see it, right? Yeah. Um, it's either available for lease or, um, or somebody's just not using it for that particular purpose at the moment. Um, let's talk about your experience over your lifetime, Christine, with people that, um, you know, they, they get horses and um, they're willing to make that lifetime commitment. And yet um, sometimes people die before their horses do. So what happens then? Right. And it's a really great, and my husband and I, we have nine horses of our own. And believe me, we, we don't have family here in Florida. Our family is in Pennsylvania. And uh, the family that we do have, they're not able to care for horses. They're not, they're not horse savvy. Um, and so uh, we worry about that all the time. Uh, what would happen uh, if something were to happen to us uh, in that regard? And so one of the things that, you know, we as an organization, uh, Horse Protection, uh, would like to do is we would like to be uh, a landing spot for people who need that sort of comfort and have that sort of need where they don't have family that's able to take care of the horses. And so we would um, offer the opportunity uh, to people to uh, consider us in a, in a gift, you know, a planned gift perhaps, uh, leave us uh, in their will uh, and as a part of their will, and this is something that you as an expert um, you know, can certainly advise much better than I, because I'm not an expert in your area at all uh, <laughs> in the law. Um, but, uh, you know, having somebody leave uh, horse protection in their will and make it a part of their will that we have to care for their horse. 
And we would honor that, of course, because we would have to. And as I, I can tell you that we have uh, some people who are involved in our organization who are either officers of our corporation or staff that have already done that. Um, they are they have concerns too because they have horses and they want to make sure that you know their horses are well cared for if they are predeceased them. And so they've done that. Um, they've left gift to horse protection and have made it uh, clear in their will that the way that horse protection gets their gift <laughs> is if horse protection cares for their horse if they if they predecease their horse. Um, so I will be talking to you about that, Peggy, for for my husband and my needs <laughs> soon. <laughs> well, and I, I think that's a good point. And it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about making sure that our pets have lifetime love and care. And um, I think the one of the questions that comes up most frequently in that regard is how much money should I leave? Um, because although horse protection might be willing to take on this responsibility, you don't want to do it at your own cost and expense. It really needs to be at the, the horse owner's cost and expense. And so I think it really behooves us as planners and as pet parents to think about what does it cost to take care of our animals? And if, as you say, the annual cost of taking care of a horse right now is estimated at $4,000 a year, so you multiply that by nine horses, um, so now you've got $36,000 a year, and you got to figure out who's your youngest horse, who's your oldest horse, and um, I always say that you have to imagine that your pet is going to have an extraordinarily long life. Mm -hmm. And um, so if you think a horse is going to live to be 20 or 25, I think you need to plan for 30 or 35. Because mm -hmm. even if they didn't live that long, perhaps in their senior years, they would have health concerns, which would cause their cost of care to be higher. Yeah. I always, always, 100% of the time say it's better to leave too much money than not enough money. And there's lots of ways that we can talk about that people can create wealth for the benefit of their animals, either through, as I mentioned earlier, using a retirement plan or um, buying a life insurance policy. Um, I have had numbers of clients buy million dollar life insurance policies for the primary purpose of funding a pet trust to make sure that there was going to be more than enough money to provide for those pets. And then if there's money left over at the end of the day, and there should be, then the organization that provided that lifetime care becomes the beneficiary of those remaining funds. And, um, and I think that it does good in a lot of different ways. It provides the pet parent with peace of mind. It provides the animal with a lifetime home and it provides the organization with the opportunity to continue into the future doing their good work. That's absolutely right. And those are excellent, excellent, excellent points that you raised. And, you know, the $4,000 annually, right? It's the year 2022. So we can only assume that that amount's gonna go up, you know, in five years, 10 years. Also, the $4,000 annually does not include staff. That, those are not staff costs. Those, those are just feed and hay and you know, supplement costs. And as you well indicated, those don't include veterinary costs. So God forbid something is to happen and the, and the horse needs veterinary care. 
that that amount annually um, would would go up. So all sorts of factors to consider uh, in that in that for sure. Yeah. So I, I think that sometimes when people say, "Well, I'll leave my horse in ten thousand dollars for their lifetime care," that is not even coming close to what the actual cost of care for that animal would be over a long period of time. Um, and, you know, as you've discovered in your role as executive director of, of Horse Protection Association, many of the horses that come to you are untrained. They're, they've never been ridden. They've never um, been gentled. They've never, in some cases, ever even been handled by humans. And um, there's that whole training process that they have to go through and training isn't free. Right. And that's an excellent point as well, because, you know, it, you can have a beautiful horse and we have, we have many, uh, we have many beautiful horses, but the sad reality is that people don't want a horse who's not trained, whether it's trained ground manners or whether it's trained under saddle. People want a horse who's trained and that training takes a certain amount of expertise and it certainly takes a, a certain amount of time and it takes on, on uh, our end, uh, we pay for it, you know, except when we have very, very generous donors <laughs> who sponsor um, that training. Uh, and so otherwise we pay for it. And uh, um, I, it, it's, it's very expensive uh, to do that. And so we budget, we, we literally have to, right now of the 50 horses that we have on the premises, uh, there should be about three or four in training, ideally. If it were an ideal world, we would have about three or four simultaneously in training. That means in school learning so that they can come out of school and get adopted and somebody would be able to interact with them on the ground and under saddle and they'd be very, very well trained and safe mm -hmm. and so on. But the, but the reality is that our budget only permits us to do one or two per month. And in the meanwhile, this is a very sad situation because in the meanwhile, you're literally, us as an organization, is literally watching this beautiful horse on our premises who wants to learn, who wants to interact with a human being, who wants to go into training. You can see it, that they want to learn. And we as an organization can't afford that yet because our budget won't allow it. So you're absolutely right that it is a very important aspect. It's just... It's, it's almost as important as food and hay, almost as important. Agreed, because without the training, you're right, they're not going to get a good home or a forever home. And, um, and that's ultimately the goal is yeah. for that to happen. Yes. Um, horses are unique animals, as uh, most people know, and they are, um, they're not dogs and they're not cats um, because they fall on an opposite end of a uh, a continuum. They're not uh, predators like we are, they're prey. So they have a different way of interacting with the world. And um, it requires a certain level of understanding of that predator-prey uh, relationship. And it's not one that we come by naturally. I mean, we really have to work at learning it um, as human beings who love horses. And I've, I've loved horses since I could breathe, I feel like, and um, I still have so much to learn. <laughs> yeah, and I, I laugh because I do as well, and I'm considered a instructor uh, in it, and, and uh, 
I have so much to learn as well. The reason is just the reason for that is just as you said that we are predators. We as human being are human beings are predators, and so we're used to thinking in the predator as a predator. We have eyes in the front of our head. Uh, we think in direct lines. We wear watches. <laughs> Horses. They don't, they have eyes on the side of their head. They don't think in direct lines. As a matter of fact, they think in S patterns, which is they, they like to approach things from the left eye and then the right eye and the left eye and the right eye, which creates a, an S pattern. And also they don't wear watches. They don't, they don't uh, look at something and say, oh, I have five minutes to accomplish this. They're going to do it when they feel confident about it. And that's what we should ask them to do is to, is to, uh, do something and feel confident about it. Never rush them because when you rush them, that's when they can explode. And if you rush them and they explode and you leave them in that condition, then that's when they learn to be unconfident. Um, so they're, they're very quick learners, but you can also teach them to be unconfident. <laughs> it's tricky. <laughs> it is tricky. And, and I, I've been known to hear and say that, you know, horses always go to the level of their rider or their trainer. Yeah. So, well, there's so much happening at Horse Protection. I'm so happy that you're there and uh, able to carry out this fabulous mission. And, and we hope that our listeners will participate in that as well. Well, thank you so much, Peggy. It was such a pleasure to be here. And thank you very much for the opportunity. We want to thank our special guest, Christine Massinger. She's the Executive Director of the Horse Protection Association of Florida for joining us today. Christine, what are some final uh, words you would leave us with today? I would just ask uh, everybody to remember the horses, please. The horses count on you and please remember them, whether it be through a recurring monthly donation, a one-time gift, through volunteering or through adoption, please know that they need you. And they do. And we thank you, Christine, for that. And we thank our listeners for joining us today on All My Children Wear Fur Coats. And if you would like more information, you can visit their website at HPAF, stands for Horse Protection Association of Florida, HPAF.org. And you can find us on social media at All My Children Wear Fur Coats, on Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats, and on YouTube at All My Children Wear Fur Coats channel. We wish you great success with your animals and you know my favorite motto, until there are none, please adopt one. And until next time, happy tales. Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats with your host, Peggy Hoyt. We hope you learned something valuable for the benefit of your pet. We want to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. Get more information about creating a legacy for your pet at AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Buy a copy of All My Children Wear Fur Coats, How to Leave a Legacy for Your Pet on Amazon. Join our email list or make a donation. Pet professionals and advisors are invited to join our trusted advisor network. Until next time, happy tales!